welcome to another Keel Hauled Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today, so tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. Ahoy there, pirates. I hope you had yourselves a good week and a good weekend. I know I did. This week, we're going to be talking all about how Sea of Thieves could potentially be a canonical precursor to the Donkey Kong trilogy, as well as many other games. This week, I have none other than Heil Russell from DK Vine joining us to talk all about Sea of Thieves, to talk about Donkey Kong Universe and get some insight from the rare pantheon of games that we really just don't talk about that much. So I was really excited to have him on. He's been following Sea of Thieves since before it got launched, and I just had to, I had to get him on to get a chance to actually chat with him for a bit. So let's get to it. But first, let's thank the patrons over on patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast. The Patreons this week are as follows. Bentley Beaver, Chateau Neuf, Cosmic Johnson, El Jefe Esteban, Jabaro 5, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Papa Fuzz, Regis Stella, Russ Belt Kid, TN Professor, Todd Meister, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, CJ Super Pack, Davram TV, Fergatron, Captain Chaos, Kazia the Rogue, Xbox, Mike 29, Tech, Deku, Windsor, Chris, and Zamwow. Thank you all so much for joining. Remember, we do have the Patreon Discord community member uh, episode. That is the Gold Hoarder episode that's going on next weekend. That's going to be the, I believe, the 30th. Oh, I'm going to check myself on that. Yes, that's going to be on the 30th. That should be around 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be recording some thoughts and how everyone is feeling about the game. It's going to be their topics, so it's up to them to make it good. No pressure. And with that, Pirates, let's get into the interview with Heil Russell from DK Vine. All right. And if you guys are wondering who I have with me on this episode, if you if you've ignored the title of the episode which i think you should do all the time you should always go into this podcast blind because that's that's exactly what i like to do with some of uh, other podcasts they just they're just on and i'm just listening to the next one in line so if you don't know who i'm talking with i have with me none other than heil russell from dk vine who is host of the Conversation podcast, a great podcast that actually encapsulates uh, the best, the worst, and everything in between for the Donkey Kong universe, which actually extends from Rare all the way to Platonics and Nintendo's content. And it's probably one of the few podcasts that actually saved my sanity when I was out in backyards killing bugs for years as a pest control uh, technician. So, Heil, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I, I'm doing fine. Ironically, though, I do want to point out that I lost my sanity doing the podcast. So, I'm happy you, you kept yours, but uh, my mine is long, long gone doing a Donkey Kong Universe themed podcast for over nine years now. <laughs> How does this happen? How do you, what, what got you into, cause you've been covering DK Vine has been going since 1999, according to Twitter, which is <laughs> yes. definitely when I was like in, in the know, as far as like Donkey Kong stuff, like I've played most of rare games and stuff, but I never, I never knew about DK Vine until Sea of Thieves. So can you, can you kind of start me off and, and kind of, Give me the David uh, Copperfield explanation of how DK Vine came about and how it now ties into Sea of Thieves. 
Okay, well, that's that's a long, long story. So we'll we'll be here for four hours or so, which is my usual podcast length too. Uh, so yeah, DK Vine was started off in, as you mentioned, 1999. I think it was something that had been at least working in my mind. The gears were turning for longer than that, though. I mean, it goes back to 1994 when I first played Donkey Kong Country. Right, it was Rare's big like new era game. That was it was the launch of really Rare becoming the studio they're still thought of today. And Donkey Kong Country was a game that spoke to me in, in ways that I think I had always wanted a video game to really like, tick off these boxes that I was looking for in a video game as far as like the world it was presenting and the humor and, and just just everything about it really spoke to me in a way that something like Mario, I always wanted it to, but it never quite got there. Like I was a big Super Mario fan as, as a wee little kid. And I, I was really into that world. And then when Donkey Kong Country came out, I was just like, oh, forget about it. I, I'm done with Mario. I'm done with everything. This is my franchise. Like, th this is this is what I've been looking for in all of my young life when Donkey Kong Country came out. And so I sort of made a vow. I liken it to Batman making a, a pledge on his parents' grave that I would cover and play every single game that would follow from Donkey Kong Country. And this vow, I realized, could get a little convoluted since Donkey Kong was a pre-existing character and franchise before Donkey Kong Country, right? So it, it was like, um, all right, well, I will cover Rare's interpretation of Donkey Kong and anything that might spin out of it from there. <laughs> And, you know, we got more Donkey Kong games after that. Donkey Kong Land, Donkey Kong Country 2, and so on. And then a game came out called Diddy Kong Racing in 1997. And Diddy Kong Racing, which anybody in the know back in the mid to late 90s would be well aware of this. But it's astounding to me how there are younger gamers out there who don't realize that Diddy Kong Racing was the debut of Banjo and Conquer rather than like, oh, this is just a big rare crossover game, right? Like mm -hmm. we're, we're going to just cross promote our games and oh, here are guest characters, Banjo and Conquer in this Diddy Kong branded game. It's like, nah, no. Banjo made his first appearance in Diddy Kong Racing. Conquer made his first appearance in Diddy Kong Racing. And they were presented as being these, pre-existing friends of Diddy Kong like they baked those characters into the lore of Donkey Kong so from like I was like okay well I've I'm going to be playing Banjo-Kazooie I'm going to be playing 12 Tales Conquer 64 as we knew it at the time I'm the these are Donkey Kong spin-offs this is great like the the universe is expanding and so in my head I was imagining Oh, it would be great to start. I didn't know the term at the time, but, a, you know, fanzine. It would be great to start a fanzine for fans of this series. And I was still a kid then, you know, so I, I wasn't really planning this. But it, you just think I, I would love to reach other people who are as invested in this shared universe as I am. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 1998 comes along and I basically 
become an, uh, an online resident for the first time, my parents get one of those uh, AOL bon- like free so many hours disc that were so prevalent around the oh, late yeah. 90s and early 2000s. So, you know, <laughs> I, I had to dial up, you know, modem and you, you got that great sound when you're connecting to the internet. It's so exciting, like pumps you up. Yeah, I'm going to be online in like two minutes. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, from there, I, you know, this is right when Banjo-Kazooie is coming out. And uh, so I go to Nintendo's insider forums, their official message boards at the time. And I, I try to connect to like-minded people. And they, they view me as a big weirdo talking about this shared universe of Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong Country and, and Conquer. And they're like, Ocarina of Time <laughs> is coming out. We want to talk about that. You're You're annoying us. Uh, but there I, I met, uh, I, I met a friend named Chad and we decided we would start our own website in advance of Donkey Kong 64's debut in November of 99. And so we launched DK Vine August 99 is basically just this teenaged hobby, this, this passion project where we could basically espouse this shared universe of rare games. Yeah. And I, the, the thing is, I never intended it to last for 22 years. <laughs> I, I never <laughs> planned for that, nor did I plan for it to effectively become my career, where I, I have to tell people I'm a Donkey Kong journalist, which, which isn't a thing. It's a, it's a job I made up. But this whatever this concept is of DK Vine, it can't die I, I've tried to walk away from it in the past and other people have kept it going in my absence. Like for, for a time I was out in Los Angeles uh, in the entertainment industry failing spectacularly and I, DK Vine continued in my absence. And I came back in 2010 when they announced Donkey Kong Country Returns and basically I haven't left since. And that's grown into of a full-time job and i i've been doing the podcast for nine years and i i think it's just there's something about the the concept especially for people who grew up in in that era of the nintendo 64 that you know there was this shared universe before shared universes sort of became a pop culture norm I mean, you know, you obviously have this in comic books, you know, DC and Marvel before they branched out into cinematic universes, you know, shared universes were a big thing, but it it wasn't really bandied about outside of like hardcore nerd culture. And a lot of people who maybe were only half paying attention or played the games, but weren't really super focused on the games, maybe completely missed them. All of the little references that all these games would have to each other and, and the way they kind of did form this cohesive, coherent, albeit nonsensical world, uh, it, it strikes a chord with people and they're like, oh, it, it makes them, I think, more invested in the games in a level that they weren't back when they were a kid. And because of that, it kind of created this perpetual motion machine of a website where, you know, we, we've gone through... 22 years now, several generations worth of readers and editors who have joined the staff throughout the years. And 
you, you just can't kill it. You, it just people keep coming back to it. I keep coming back to it. And I finally just made peace with the fact that no, this is where I belong. So um, well, that's, that's probably a good thing. And if you if you look at it, because there's going to be people like myself who have been fans of rare games for all of my life have played most of the games, uh, albeit a few on the 360 and the original Xbox, but to know that there are Easter eggs in, in the games that tie each other and give hints about each other and, and give you this broader scope to, to fact, to, it kind of pays tribute to the devs in a way that I don't think other games journalists do. Most game journalists just cover what's new. They talk about what they like, what they don't like, what they think the studio is working on in the future. Rarely, uh, no pun intended, do you ever find someone who's dedicated to one or two studios who are trying to take their 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 history and kind of link it together. And, and few companies ever do try to do something like that. You know, most companies generally pick a franchise or an IP, they'll make one or two iterations of it, and then they'll work on a new IP uh, and, and move on. And having this, this universe of, of, you know, Donkey Kong games and Banjo-Kazooie games and, uh, you know, now Sea of Thieves, it's really kind of amazing that Rare has been able to uh, kind of add their own history to each game in some fashion or another yeah I, i'm wondering oh sorry go ahead oh no i i was just gonna say i i just want to say up front that i don't believe it was actually rare's intention to have a consistent shared universe they definitely some people there were more into the idea than the others if, if you'll ask say chris siever uh, you know, the architect of Conquer's Bad Fur Day and voice of Conquer, you know, he'll say, no, there's no, Conquer doesn't exist in Diddy Kong's world. That was never the intention. But the, the fact is they did do it. it. It is consistent. And it's kind of, I think, something that's embraced more now by the studio, but both Rare and Platonic than it was back in the day. Um, but, you know, it, it I, I think, too, that once something is kind of committed in a game, then it becomes sort of the property of the fans just as much as it is the devs. And so when when fans see this stuff and make the connections, then it's sort of out of their hands. So, you know, mm. you know, I, yeah. I'm all for like respecting the, the intent of the author. But there's also the concept <laughs> of death of the author where once they put something out there. Uh, then it's no longer truly theirs. It's it's the uh, problem George Lucas, of course, had with Star Wars, where he tried to keep changing them to fit his vision, where fans were like, no, we're attached to this original version you put out, and sorry, but that's that's the version you originally released, so we're we're attached to that one. But um, yeah, it's it's it, it, like I said, it is embraced sort of now, but by both rare and platonic in varying degrees sea of thieves which we'll of course get into um sea of thieves i think is the first rare game that i think really outwardly embraces a shared universe even if it's not upfront in any of the marketing um anybody who spends a significant time 
studying the lore of Sea of Thieves and all the little Easter eggs will definitely walk away with the impression that no, Rare is, is totally cool now with having their entire output exist in the same world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for listeners who may be wondering um, if, it, and, and let me kind of get this out now, I I wanted to bring Hyle on for a couple reasons. Uh, one, he he's a great guy and he actually <laughs> got to go play Sea of Thieves back with like jeff during those during those unity and and early unreal days so i wanted i wanted to bring him on to have his his feelings shared about that but also the current state of the game but also there's not a whole lot really going on in sea of thieves we're kind of just chilling right now so unless you're really really into merchants which i wouldn't blame you i i saw a chicken the other day and wondered how much it would get me for the merchant alliance and no one (laughs) gave me a good answer but other than that, I really feel like um, it's kind of par for the course. So uh, just to kind of take a, a small tangent, Heil, if you don't mind. Sure. I want to come back to our conversation, but um, to, to touch on Sea of Thieves real quick, because I feel like if I don't say something in the first half hour, people are going to try and murder me. And I, I still have much mint chocolate chip ice cream to eat in this world before that happens so how how has your sailing adventures been on sea thieves are you enjoying season two is this event enough for you uh ready set go uh i i i am not a complainer uh sea of thieves i have been upfront on my own podcast that sea of thieves is consistently my second favorite game of all time um sea of sea of thieves Donkey Kong Country 2 is the first, by the way, and okay. I don't think that will ever be immovable. But Sea of Thieves, for me, scratches so many itches that I've always wanted from a rare game that, and, and really any game, but that it is developed by rare is no surprise to me. Sea of Thieves, I I, I don't like, I'm like, oh, this event is boring. I don't like this event. Oh, when are they going to add new stuff? For me, I sail once a week, usually. Um and it's basically just I'm always I always have an abundance of things to do. Now, if, if I sailed, you know, five times a week, maybe, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm tired of this Reapers versus the world thing. Oh, I don't care about the Merchant Alliance. Uh, but that's, that's never the case with me. I'm always usually walking away with a smile. And since the season system was put in place, I find that really my time is rewarded in a way that it didn't always used to be. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, like even doing silly inconsequential stuff where we're not grinding for commendations or or trying to get this uh, time limited event done. Now it's just, oh, you're just sailing and your miles are giving you renown for your season yeah. progress. And to me, that's just such a game changer because... I feel like the type of gamer I am, which is completely antithetical to how like a lot of pro Sea of Thieves streamers are, where they're you know PvP oriented, they're all about action and spectacle. Me, I'm a, I I want to explore islands. I want to just hang out with my friends, and it, and that's what Sea of Thieves really is for me. Is Sea of Thieves is a way for me to have a hangout with my friends who are scattered all around the world. And we're able to 
kind of come together in almost like one physical location and and go on on crazy adventures together which i know is you know part of the design dna of the game but it definitely works on me i mean that's that's what sea of thieves is it, it is a way for me to spend time with my location displaced friends in a rare world so yeah, I, I, I'm loving this event because I'm loving every event. I have, I have no qualms about the game. Sure, like, when you they make me do things like deliver rag and bone crates, I'm like, not really wild about the rag and bone crates, but, you know, that's so few and far between. And even then, I'm going to grant them some off events because, you know, they've, they've continually updated the game for over two years. Over three years now? Is it three years? Yeah, three years. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I forget. I forget the entirety of last year happened. But uh, yeah, it, it's like it's I said, still going. I, I'm I am not uh, I, I'm not a negative person when it comes to gaming because it, it's it's it is my career, but it's also my hobby, and there's just enough to stress me out in the world that I don't need Sea of Thieves update schedule to stress me out. <laughs> Oh, that's it's funny because it's there's a fine line between negativity and, and criticism. And I think that that is a balance. I think a lot of content creators want to straddle like a lot yeah. of us want to try and improve the game, but not come across in a way that is so negative that it just fuels that that anger machine that you typically see with so many other content creators. So. I, I totally respect your desire to keep keep Sea of Thieves in a positive light and, you know, just gaming in general in a positive light, because I think that a lot of people at the end of the day really tend to forget that it's it's a game. We're supposed to have fun with it. And if you're if you're frustrated because of something that's going on in the game, it's it, you know, maybe we could take a break from this game and try something else. And yeah, totally. Just and kind of. I, I, I burned out all of the outrage in my body, like for a, li a lifetime's worth of outrage back when they were making bongo based Donkey Kong games. So really, I have nothing left in me uh, to be upset about. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, whatever. Like, where, where are you hiding Duke this week, you rascals? Oh, I'll find him. I'll find him. <laughs> oh, man, that cracks me up. Uh those bongo based games. So um I guess the last bit of news for those that are trying to get your your news hit for the week is uh I and actually Heil, I'm I'm interested to hear your your thoughts on this. There's a, a small story that I wanted to cover that's just talking about the uh the Amazon Prime gaming, the Prime game drops. Mm -hmm. Those are being extended. So if you want to get your Ruby Splash Tail wheel ugh, for whatever reason, <laughs> it's you got more time. So congrats. You won. Uh, the rest of the things um, should be opening up as soon as they can get the website issues under control. I still have no clue what the hell's going on with their website. I really think Microsoft needs to come in with some sort of hammer and just start nailing things uh, down and fixing it. But the one thing that I wanted to broach this topic with you, and I really should have been a good podcaster and actually told you what I wanted to talk about before we hit record, is the Sea of Thieves... Athena's fortune book is currently available on a few different platforms, but the one that I wanted to direct people to is actually over to Spotify because that was where 
one of my Discord members hit me up and said, hey, I don't know if this is legit or not, but the Sea of Thieves Athena's Fortune audiobook that's being narrated by Toby Stevens, who's been written by Chris Alcock, is available. And I was like, what do you mean it's available? And they're like, it's all there. And I'm like, everything? And they're like, yeah. So I went and I started to listen. I was like, yep, this is the whole book. And it looks legit because I don't know why anyone would pirate a pirate book and put the copyright information in the about. So have you heard about this or do you have any interest in the Athena's Fortune book? Or am I the crazy one that has like a whole bunch of copies and stuff? I have three copies. All right. So I okay. I, ha- I have a cop. So, okay. So here's a glimpse into my madness. I have a copy of the book for reading. I have mm. a copy of the book that I keep on my shelf with my DK universe games. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, not, not only like, do I need, do I have a shelf dedicated to the physical copies of my games, but I have the official expanded universe literature there too. So, and Athena's fortune is, is one of those. So I have a copy that I'm keeping in pristine shape. Wish they did a hardcover release of it, but I'm not going to complain. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I have a spare copy in case anything happens to that one. And <laughs> <laughs> I might have another copy floating around. Actually, I, I can't remember. But um, yeah, uh, I do have an interest in, in uh, obviously Athena's Fortune. Anything? Well, one, it's it's an excellent book. If you're into the game at all, Chris Alcock does an amazing job of like not only like giving us a deeper dive into the backstory of Ramsey, the pirate lord, um, and now um, Lorena. Uh, who, who, of course, was added to the game, uh, you know, physically appears in the game now as well. But it's just um, it, it's it's a great read if you're like even remotely interested in the lore of Sea of Thieves. You're doing yourself a disservice by not seeking it out in any platform. I had not heard that the audiobook was released. Um, I haven't heard anything from Rare about like that it was officially out now. Nope. So I'm I'm wondering if somebody over at Spotify maybe hit a button they weren't supposed to hit. Well, so that's that's the funny thing is they're not available on every service. Oh. And I think that they're waiting for other uh copies to to kind of be live before they actually uh kind of make the announcement cuz I did the same thing like as soon as as soon as I checked it out and I was like this looks really legit did i did i genuinely miss the announcement for this uh that was when i went digging through twitter and instagram and stuff and facebook and i was like there's nothing about this this has not been announced but it is definitely here and i'm really confused and that's kind of why i wanted to talk about it now because for for a while i've been like okay no one on no one from the cm team is responding and I really don't know what to do about this, but I want to tell people about it. So I'm going to venture that this is just something that's live. And if, you know, if I get, if I disappear, then, you, you know, look at Rare for, for why I'm gone and take care of my kitties for me. But if you want to listen to the Sea of Thieves Athena's Fortune book, you can head over to Spotify now and listen to all of it. Uh and I don't think that there's anything stopping anyone from being able to do that. So um, it's a really good book too. I'll wait yeah. till you get a chance to actually listen to it. Toby Stevens does 
an amazing job and they've got the music and some sound effects for it it's so well produced i i'm looking for i'm looking forward to hearing it i wish they would release an audio box set like full of like you know whatever like 30 cds i don't care how archaic the technology is i just want to display it on my shelf uh but you know whatever digitally is fine too uh i know they got toby stevens because of the connections to black sales the the tv show but it's weird to me that they got a guy to narrate their audiobook who they had in one of their games in the 90s where you could shoot him in the face right because he he was in he was uh 006 in goldeneye um so no, no, he was in Die Another Day. Never mind. I'm I'm completely mixing up my James <laughs> Bond properties. He's still an enemy of their classic video game character, James Bond. So it, it's it still seems dirty to me that they brought in an enemy of one of their former IPs. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Maybe he's a double agent and this is penance for his crimes. <laughs> No, Sean Bean was 006. He played Gustav Graves and died another day. Where am I coming from? I don't even know. <laughs> Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any two VIP books. Or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer or you'd like to save money on games, it's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that, Pirates, let's get back to the show. Yeah, this is, it's, <laughs> there's no telling at this point, but of all the voices that, and, and I'll be honest, is I kind of wish that Microsoft was pushing this more because I, I have a feeling that this is something that the team over at Rare initiated uh due to all the the requests for audiobooks because yeah. if you you know if you you know if you're sightless like sightless combat there's there's not a really good way to check out the the audio or the the novels or the comics for sea of thieves which are you know full of lore and actually yeah, really right. good books so finally getting an audiobook what is it what let's see the the book came out in october 2018 i believe am i Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I, I think that's right. because Just because Chris Alcock was very upset that we didn't do a conversation about it until 2020. So. <laughs> oh, man. That's now I feel bad because I haven't talked to him about I've been wanting to get him on the podcast and I've been holding off until the second book comes out. And I hadn't I hadn't asked him earlier. I, I want to. And he's agreed to. 
but I just haven't gotten him on the actual podcast. But yeah, I'm, I'm, if anyone wants to listen to this, it's a great way to do it. It's a great way to consume it. If you are, I mean, you're listening to this. So I don't know why you wouldn't just head over to Spotify after you're done listening to this podcast or conversation for that matter and jump into Athena's Fortune because it's a it's a great book. It's really well done. I kind of wish that they had the bigger Microsoft backing because I think that having Toby Stevens as Ramsey is great, but I, I would have loved to have uh, had like someone else do uh, Lorena because I, I, I just think that she deserves having like an authentic female voice um covering those that that aspect because the book is half her and half ramsey sure yeah yeah absolutely yeah i mean but then then you you know there's there's a fine line between audiobook and audio play uh so i guess they you know they have to keep it under budget too so getting toby stevens which is a relatively big name in in yeah british theater so you know, it's 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 still pretty impressive. They the Rare's whole team, um, you know, in charge of doing merchandising deals and and stuff. They do a stellar job. I I think they're the undersung heroes of Rare. Too many people don't realize the good work that and and the amount of work that they do as far as giving us merchandise and uh, like expanded literature and things like that it's it's the stuff i've always wanted as a rare fan and they're finally giving it to us but you know it's you know they, they don't really get the recognition i think that they deserve but they're also very not they're not active much on social media the likes of no. adam park and pete hence and uh but yeah i mean it, it's night and day compared to what it was six years ago compared to now so yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought them up because like they have the, the, those two have been helming all of the merchandise through, through the, the, the good and the bad for Sea of Thieves for so long. And, you know, when we, when the, when the first store went down and there were complaints of delivery times and, uh, people frustrated with stuff, they, they worked to make sure that people were able to eventually get new merchandise and the merchandise that we get is so well designed uh and and you know i mean we wouldn't have the the rpg book uh yeah w through mongoose publishing without them we wouldn't have the comics without them we wouldn't have the book without them and they continuously are like very very underrated as far as just how much they do to try and make sure that the the lore of the game is spread out beyond just the game itself so that there's something to consume when you're not actually playing the game and i just i, I love that they got toby stevens i think it was a good get for the the audio just because of his voice just because of his ties to black sales mm -hmm. um i don't know who you would get for female voice that is so kind of tied to a pirate ip or like stories yeah Can aside imagine aside from like kira knightley but then you know she'd be out of your budget for sure yeah that's true that's a good um oh yeah yeah i'm not sure um but getting back to what we were talking about earlier um before we got on the sea of thieves tangent we were talking about rare extended universe yes and i wanted to to kind of um you've you've pulled together diddy kong donkey kong conquer 
and Banjo all through Diddy Kong Racing. Um, a lot of the other IP is is part of that, but because of this being a Sea of Thieves podcast, obviously I wanted to have you kind of uh, help me, kind of walk me through, and in, in, I'm kind of cheating because I already listened to your podcast, but <laughs> for the listeners, uh, can, can you walk us through how Sea of Thieves is connected to the Donkey Kong universe? Yeah, at all? I would be happy to. So first of all, I'm disappointed you don't want to talk about Mr. Pants, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Very few people actually want to talk about Mr. Pants. But yeah, so the thing you have to realize, okay, about Rare, right, is that Rare and Nintendo parted ways in 2002, but that hasn't stopped them from referencing Donkey Kong when they can. And and because, you know, Rare is the whole driving force behind modern Donkey Kong canon to this day. I mean, they, they essentially built up Donkey Kong's world and made it the center of their shared universe for a solid eight years. So they, they haven't, even as, you know, people have come and gone from the studio, they haven't forgotten that. And they can only do so much considering rights issues and, and who owns what IPs, but they still do a good job of skirting around that and sneaking things in when they can, when it feels appropriate. Mm. And um, so the thing about the Donkey Kong universe is that the three main pillars of it are Donkey Kong, Banjo and Conker, right? So, DK Vine's thinking behind what we cover on our site is that while all of Rare's output technically exists in the same shared universe outside of games like GoldenEye or like the Mickey Speedway USA types of, of properties where they develop games with pre-existing IPs, uh, DK Vine only covers things that outwardly spin off from Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong spinoffs. And that usually involves a physical character appearance. That's what pushes it over the over the map uh, into the into the double shroud to use Sea of Thieves parlance. <laughs> um, but, so like that that keeps us sane because otherwise you've covered like okay everything that exists within this shared multiverse of games. Then we would have to cover Mario. We would have to cover right. basically everything. Everything in any video game universe would fall under our purview. We don't want that. We want to keep things very narrow and consistent stemming out of Donkey Kong Country. Uh, so physical appearances are key. And, and then from if we have a physical appearance, then of course we'll use any references or homages as things that kind of uh, buoy that uh, connection. So CC of Thieves is actually connected to really every rare franchise under the sun some more than others but i i always say sea of thieves is the omni prequel to all of rare's games in that it pretty much ties into nearly everything and it's an omni prequel except in one or two cases where it's actually a sequel um mm -hmm. but we'll we'll start with why dk vine covers it at all so uh and I, I so I don't know how much you want to talk about my trip to Rare back in 2016 when I got the when I got to play it and I got to play the beta version, but um and I can only talk about so much because I'm under perpetual NDA, but yeah. uh there 
there was a I, I can talk about this because it's been shared by Greg Mails. Uh, in the beta version of Sea of Thieves, TT the stopwatch from Diddy Kong Racing is in the game. And you might be thinking to yourself, what? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so TT the stopwatch is an interactable in- item in-, in the beta version, or at least it was, where you could pick them up, you could um, you know, put them in your inventory, uh, he basically acted like a pocket watch. It's less a stopwatch and more of a pocket watch, but it was just basically TT from Diddy Kong Racing. Here he is. <laughs> He's in the game. And, and why he was in the game, I don't know, but that's really what like pushed it over the map for me. Well, this game is going to be part of the DKU one way or another. And granted, five years later, I'm still waiting for TT in Sea of Thieves. And every time like Microsoft sends me a survey, like, oh, tell us about your experience with this aspect of Sea of Thieves. I always try to sneak in that request somewhere. Hey, I would really like if <laughs> TT from Diddy Kong Racing, who is owned by Microsoft, if he would find his way into Sea of Thieves, as shown in the beta. Thanks. Uh, just to be obnoxious. But... Uh, Really, what what pushes it over uh, in in the actual released game is who Greg Mails sails as, what character, what pirate persona he takes on. So Greg Mails, I don't know how many people know this, he sails as Captain Black Eye. And Captain Black Eye was going to be the main antagonist of the game Dream which eventually became Banjo-Kazooie. He was just this like, big pirate dude, um, sort of in the vein of like Captain Hook and Peter Pan. But um, anyway, Banjo-Kazooie evolved from Dream and then the you know Captain Black Eye was sort of phased out in favor of Gruntilda the Witch. But Captain Black Eye was still referenced in the game. Uh, his portrait was hanging in Mad Monster Mansion and no explanation who he was. Yeah. Banjo-Tooie came out and Captain Black Eye made a physical appearance sitting in Jolly Roger's tavern. Uh, he's 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 kind of he says he's seasick, but he's clearly drunk and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> he, he'll he'll make all sorts of offhanded meta allusions to the fact that he used to be in this video game until a bear took it over and then he lost his role. But uh, he, he says something like, uh, a bear stole my glory. Uh, it kind of looked like you. So that, that establishes Captain Black Eye. And Captain Black Eye, while he wouldn't appear in games after Banjo-Tooie, he would be referenced. Uh, he was referenced quite heavily in Grab by the Ghoulies as a friend of the antagonist Baron Von Ghoul. He was referenced in Viva Pinata, I think, as actually visiting uh, Pinata Island, or as Sea of Thieves fans might know, Paradise Garden. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I, I think he was referenced in Nuts and Bolts, too. But basically, when Sea of Thieves was announced, we were like, well, this is going to be their chance to finally use Captain Black Eye in something, because here we have a, a period piece. Uh, and again, mm. we're still waiting on Captain Black Eye to appear in the actual lore. But when we found out that Greg Mails was essentially making his pirate avatar Captain Black Eye, we were like, well, that's kind of good enough for us because there is an off chance you could encounter Captain Black Eye in a game being controlled by Greg Mails. So 
let's let's go ahead and push it over the line now and say Sea of Thieves is DKU uh, with the caveat that you know maybe one day they'll pull a Derek situation where they you know they have a player controlled character that they make an NPC uh, and just inexplicably it somehow like is able to coexist. And maybe Captain Black Eye will feature more prominently in the lore. But they do reference Captain Black Eye in one of the clothing shops where uh, we find out it's owned by Captain Black Eye. Uh, so he's def- he definitely has a bit of a minor footprint on the game. He al- he's also referenced in the Tales from the Sea of Thieves book, which is another excellent piece of expanded universe literature. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you're yeah. fam- as familiar with that one as you are, Athena's Fortune, but it's, very much so. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I, it's. I'm. Oh, I was gonna say I'm still waiting for Diving Bell and Nine Cat Nura to show up in Sea of Thieves. They I know are two of my favorite characters. I I think they're finally getting us into the Merfolk lore a, a bit. Uh, based Hopefully. on yeah, based on what we're seeing in the game, but yeah, uh, Captain Black Eye. Uh, I think Flameheart, uh, Flameheart Jr., that is, uh, actually encounters Captain Black Eye early on in the Tales from the Sea of Thieves book. And mm-hmm. so Captain Black Eye exists in the world, right? So, uh, and they mention a fountain of youth uh, at some point in the game. I think during during the original Tall Tales, uh, a fountain of youth is brought up. It's like this legendary thing. So our working theory is Captain Black Eye finds the fountain of youth, and that's it why he's able to survive into the year 2000 and meet an anthropomorphic barren bird. But um, the whole reference that a bear stealing his glory, we think uh, we, we could take it to mean that uh, eventually in Sea of Thieves, Captain Black Eye gets ambushed by a crew with the barren bird figurehead. And so uh. it's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy there. But um, <laughs> that 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 is why DK Vine... That that is the justification we get for why we cover Sea of Thieves, but there are a ton more references in the game. Uh, both Donkey Kong, Banjo, Conquer, and yeah, the Pirate Emporium, you know, has been uh, a treasure trove of lore as far as like the the figureheads and just the the ship liveries. But um, the Can- bear, the Baron Bird cave painting that all of this stuff is based on all the Banjo-Kazooie aesthetics in the in the Pirate Emporium. It's this prophetic thing that the ancients had that they basically prophesized Banjo and Kazooie. And so um, that that is like um, a, a major tie-in there. And then Treasure Trove Cove, the second world of Banjo-Kazooie. I don't know how many people are even aware of this outside of like hardcore Banjo and Sea of Thieves nerds, but Treasure Show of Cove appears in the Sea of Thieves opening. Uh, it, it's it's blinking, you miss it, but it's on the map. Uh, with the implication being that it's during the time of Sea of Thieves, Treasure Show of Cove is in the Devil Shroud, and we can't access it, but it is part of the Sea of Thieves. See, it's stuff like that 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 really is kind of the it, it's it's. And and you you said it so succinctly. If you blink, you will actually miss it. And I think that's what you could say about most of the references in Sea of Thieves. And I wanted to to touch on something because you talked about uh, the Pirate Emporium. Um, we tend to get a lot of interesting, unique cosmetic sets through the Pirate Emporium, uh, but a lot of people tend to look at that as just kind of what it is—just cosmetics. Um, 
do you feel like the Emporium is kind of ties more in with the actual game itself or do, or do you not look at that cosmetic uh venue as as canonical as far oh, as sea of thieves is concerned it's absolutely canonical because not only do they have an in-universe justification for it with the grand maritime union and and there's there's that whole kind of what i'm really okay so this is kind of a tangent but sea of thieves <laughs> has so many divergent plot threads going on at any single time that i i often wonder are they ever going to be able to tie everything up or is this going to be i know like the goal is to keep the game going perpetually but you know it's just between the Flameheart story and the Mer folklore and the Grand Maritime Union, like the the only thing they've really like tied a bow on is the Gold Hoarder, <laughs> and I'm I'm just wondering like oh man like there's just so so much to cover, but yeah the the Emporium is totally canon, and the item descriptions are always the most fascinating thing to me about the Emporium because they go out of their way to justify why this cosmetic exists at this time, not only in Sea of Thieves and when Sea of Thieves is supposed to canonically take place, but also from a broader shared universe perspective. Okay, well, what's the justification for having a Viva Pinata ship set or a, a Conquer ship set? How can we retroactively make that fit this nebulous time period of the Golden Age of Piracy and, and not trample over both Sea of Thieves canon or, let's say, cameo elements of powers canon. So yeah. they, they, they walk a fine line, but I feel like they pull it off. Like I mentioned, the Baron Bird figurehead and, and ship aesthetic, it's all based on this cave painting, which was already in the game, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's justified. Um, Killer Instinct, I think, is the most fascinating one because there is actually time travel already existing in the Killer Instinct franchise where in Killer Instinct 2, they were blown backwards in time. And so it's kind. when I said Sea of Thieves was this omni prequel, except in a couple cases where it's a sequel, I was sort of thinking of Killer Instinct there because some of the aesthetics, like the KI logo, might have been around as a consequence of the characters going back in time. So that's that's an interesting thing to think about. But um, yeah, no, it, it's it's all totally canon. You just have to be paying attention and not be so contrary, I think, <laughs> because yeah. I mean, it's it, they, they do an excellent job. And then even stuff outside of Rare that they like the um, State of Decay ship set, which I'm not even a zombie fan. Right. But I was mm-hmm. impressed with how they worked in State of Decay and into Sea of Thieves lore. And I thought that was really clever talking about this like valley outside of the shroud and, and how, and Jeff, uh, Jeff Onan, who was on your show, but uh, runs Golden Sands blog post. And he's also a DK Vine staffer, frequent conversation co-host. He even has a theory that the zombie pirates from Grab by the Ghoulies were reverse engineered from this, uh, this virus or whatever that is referenced in the state of decay ship set. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the kind of cool. That's the kind of like <laughs> fourth dimensional thinking I love. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And then of course, Donkey Kong is also referenced in sea of thieves, which a lot of people probably wouldn't catch, but uh, they, they do it in a really clever way where it's, um, 
the the constellations uh one one of the constellations is a fish named glimmer and glimmer of course is one of the kong's animal buddies in Kong country 2 it's an angler fish that helps kind of navigate a sunken galleon that they're swimming in uh in in pitch blackness and if if you're wondering yes it oh, was yeah. an it was an intentional homage to donkey kong i asked and of course they can't come out and say on twitter hey we referenced donkey kong in all caps in sea of thieves with yeah. but it, it was intentionally referenced referencing the anglerfish glimmer and of course they they knew that we at dk vine would then examine the canon and have to come to the conclusion that the kongs actually named their animal buddy glimmer based on this constellation in the sea of thieves so it not only it's a reference but it also retroactively changes the continuity of the donkey kong series so it's that kind of stuff that uh it might might go under the radar but for those of us who are paying attention we greatly appreciate it so it's 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 why like sea of thieves it feels so much like this game that all of rare their entire history was building up to because you've got connections to donkey kong banjo viva pinata and you even have it as a sequel to the pendragon series uh, like you straight up have have it be like the fifth game in the the arthur pendragon ultimate play of the game lineage and i think that's just that's just mind-blowing i wanted to ask um about that because that was one of the things where i've i've never played through the pen dragon games uh and i've i've only really been interested in what's going on with pen dragon as a result of sea of thieves yeah. but the comics that they've been recently putting out the sea of thieves origin comics dive into pen dragon jr's story and how he got to sea of thieves so i wanted to ask with them kind of fleshing out the the lore behind the black witch and pendragon uh have you had a time or have you had time to really kind of dive into how the connection between the comics is and how the uh the story from the actual games works out like do those correlate or are there are there inconsistencies in the lore there so in all honesty, I have not read the Pendragon comics yet, just because I'm waiting for all of I'm waiting for all of them to be released. Because for me, the biggest problem with inconsistently released comic installments is I always forget where the last one left off. So mm. I, I have to read them in one dive. Like I, I when the original run of the Sea of Thieves comics, uh, starring DeMarco and Lissetti, came out. I got the first issue. I think it, it coincided with Sea of Thieves launch. Uh, but yeah. I got the first issue and I read it and it was just, you know, it's like 22 pages. Like the whole the whole like American monthly comic system, I think, is, is kind of on the downswing as far as this economically viable way of telling stories. But I was like. Uh, now I've got to wait another month for the second issue. So ultimately, I just waited for the trade paperback and got three copies of that and uh, read it all in one sitting. And I was able to enjoy it a lot more than I would have had I had I waited. So I'm waiting to read the Pendragon comics. But I, you know, any inconsistencies might crop up 
from the the original ultimate play of the game titles which for the record i have not played because again predates donkey kong country and so while i'm interested in the lore as like a rare fan and a rare nerd i i haven't played them and haven't tracked them down so uh any inconsistencies, I think, can always be ironed out with creative thinking. There, you know, Marvel Comics used to give out something called a, um, like a no prize for fans to come up with solutions to continuity problems, and I, I feel like that's that's the best way to go about it. As a fan, is don't get upset about this stuff. Figure out a solution, and then. Uh, presented to the creators because it's it's a lot to coordinate it's a lot to juggle i'm amazed that you know adam and pete and chris and and everyone in you know who really keeps the canon of sea of thieves in check i'm amazed that it's as consistent as it is and that there have been relatively few problems crop up yeah yeah i've been uh i've always been impressed with how they're able to juggle so many stories consistent in the in the world and in a live game for that matter too um i see other games like destiny's probably the the in in world of warcraft are two of my main examples for these but they genuinely operate off of an, an expansion based uh lore cycle and sometimes uh I, I i think world of warcraft is suffers from this is they have new expansions bring people to new stories but they leave uh so many stories left un unfinished Mm-hmm. And hopefully, maybe in the future, you'll you'll get the the kind of story wrap up for that. But I I see that even I think that's kind of my main concern with Sea Thieves is we I don't know how the heck we're going to finish up Flameheart. It seems like the way that they've devised their content, it doesn't feel like they ever want to remove anything for the sake of commendations and just you know having stuff to do in the game. But I can't see how we're going to be able to finish Flameheart in a way that removes his his content from the game at this point you just replace but him I, with Flameheart jr obviously is Flameheart jr a bad guy so he well he was he was transformed uh during the end of his portion of tales from the sea of thieves so i mean it's it's all ambiguous but i think you could do a lot of things with the flame art story and keep keep it as a persistent world event while also wrapping up the story you told. Again, you just have to think outside the box. And I, I do respect, though, that they, you know, they don't want to remove commendations. I think that was the biggest stress for me in the game was when they had those like time limited commendations and you're just like, oh, you're like, oh, got to get it done. Got to get it done. And, you know, yeah. you still get that with the in-game events like, oh, I need that title. I want that title. But um, it's, it's a lot less pressure than it was two years ago. Um, so I, I do respect that. But I, I would love if, you know, we, we could get some forward progression on Flameheart as much as we love him as the angry man shouting at you from above. <laughs> you know, it is, you know. It's like, oh, we released him in this tall tale, and now he just like his big plan is just to pop up maybe once an hour and and yell at people. <laughs> and he doesn't seem to he doesn't seem to take the hint. So I don't I don't know where that's gonna go. Perseverance. That's what made him the greatest pirate in Sea of Thieves. This is just a, a full extension of his character at this point. He's yeah. never going to give up. 
I I am kind of curious, um, but I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, do you do you feel like we will have a satisfactory end to Flameheart, and do you think that that is going to culminate in Flameheart Junior's appearance? I think there there must have been a specific reason they chose they chose Flameheart Senior over Flameheart Junior, right? Because Flameheart Junior was yeah. the focus of the Tales from the Sea of Thieves book that can, also came out when Sea of Thieves launched, and and so the the misdirection uh, with, with Flameheart's identity, which as a Donkey Kong fan, I do appreciate that we have another ambiguous situation between. Uh, a senior and a junior and, and people not really knowing how that's working out. <laughs> but uh, I, I think there must have been a reason why they went in this direction. And I think it's with an eye towards the eventual resolution, of course, is to bring in the sun. Right. Like, so yeah. I, I, I also know that the pandemic has kind of slowed down uh, everything and so the game has sort of been in a hibernative state for a, a year. I mean, they've been doing updates and they've been driving things forward. And now we have the season system in place. But I, I also feel like it, it's hard to judge where we would be had there been no pandemic. So I'm just kind of I, I'm kind of eager to see how they do it. But also, like, I'm not going to, like, write it out in my head because then I'll inevitably be disappointed when they go in a different direction. So I'm just kind of waiting and seeing with the rest of us. That's a really interesting viewpoint because I, I tend to lean into the speculative so much so that I, I have. I mean, if, if anyone's been listening to the podcast, I've been talking about Duke from the Build Rats being a Dark Lord almost since inception. I'm so, I'm so worried about Duke. I'm so worried. Can I just like Duke's <laughs> Duke's what what's happening with Duke right now is is like this slow motion car crash. And I'm just <laughs> trying to scream at him every every month like, Duke, what are you doing? Uh, it, it's it's stressing me out. Honestly, it, it's <laughs> it, it's a more effective downfall storyline than what they did with the star wars prequels man like this this is this is the heart this is the true heartbreak of of seeing someone you loved and respected go down this rabbit hole because duke and the build rats that was like they're the faction that's most tailored to the way i play the game right is adventure and and not really like getting bound down by you know what these various factions want more just experiencing and enjoying the the seas and the freedom of them and now to see duke be corrupted like this ah, it's just it's tragic well the the nice thing is is that it, it, he was always dark he was always corrupted this is just <laughs> him coming out and and sharing with the rest of the world his findings and being very open about his uh, candidness to, towards the dark side. I have never trusted Duke. It always felt weird that he would send you out essentially to go see if you'd survive murder and come back with some sort of treasure. But he was always making back end back back alley deals with the the trade companies. He was always you know looking for reasons to go. Uh, poke poke his finger into someone's pie and, and figure out what's going on. Like genuinely, mermaid statues. We have no clue what they are, what they represent. I understand that they're magically powerful, but 
based on on what's in the game duke just wanted us to go destroy them for something shiny and i just don't trust messing like there's a reason why indiana jones is chased by a giant boulder after grabbing a golden idol and that's because he 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 put himself in that position duke is putting us in the position of destroying magical artifacts that we do not understand and we're going to be okay with that because we're getting gold it's like come on there's there's some sinister sinister thoughts going on there and i think the reason why he was knocked out by stitcher jim was because he was getting a little too a little too high on the horse and i think stitcher jim was trying to knock him down a peg and eventually he saw that he he was better off you know taking his dark a- aspirations away from stitcher jim and now that he's free from anyone's you know shackles he can just go do whatever he wants he can go you know play around with with uh, mermaid artifacts or ancient artifacts and start diving into ruins and spells and you know eventually he's going to find a way to do something that's going to inevitably cause the downfall of sea of thieves unless we stop him and i i'm <laughs> looking forward to the day where i can point my finger at duke and see and, and look to the rest of my crew and be like see i told you i knew it was gonna happen and you yeah. didn't believe me i i just it's just hard for me but, to view view somebody who used to just splay out provocatively in the taverns uh in new and compromising <laughs> ways View view them that darkly. I don't know. Like I, he he just seems such an he he was initially presented as such an innocuous figure that that to have him be a, like the equivalent of a Sith Lord is just um, I don't know. Uh, it's it, it's it, hard. It's it hard for me like to believe. It, it feels like a stretch. I'm not going to deny it. Most people are probably going to think me crazy, but that's how it always goes. It's if if you if you like me think that Sonic the Sonic movie is probably one of the greatest uh, movie video game movies ever created. There was the the man that believed in the Blue Devil, and nobody believed in the Blue Devil until they actually found out about Sonic. And then all of a sudden, he is heralded as as the 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 truth sayer. You know, he spoke he spoke out when no one else was willing to. I am the person that is willing to say that Duke is the Dark Lord. And regardless of what anyone at Rare wants to do with him, he will always be the Dark Lord. And him being, you know, him laying out so provocatively, so so tantalizing in, in the taverns, that is lust, that is temptation, that is the dark side. <laughs> and I'm telling you now, that's it's, it's the thing, it's going to be the thing that brings us all down into the depths. And will we find Flameheart Jr. down there? Probably. Is that a good thing? I don't know. It, he could very well supplant his father in in his stead and cause us to have the the continuation of the Flameheart line in Sea of Thieves, constantly trying to bring down all the pirates in the Sea of Thieves. I don't know at this point. Is it possible? Yes. Is Duke really just kind of like chafing me for no good reason? Probably. But I'm gonna stick with this until my downfall, until until my eventual insanity just you know comes comes about as a result of hunting down and trying to find the dirt on on duke but i I don't know where else to go with that so (laughs) let's let's venture back into the realm of sanity and uh kind of tie a bow on this so we we we've talked about uh rare games connecting to each other um especially with things like diddy kong racing kind of introducing some more of the the uh, pantheon of characters that would eventually get their own games we've talked about 
DK Vine finding ways to uh, suss out the details about how Sea of Thieves is connected to uh, kind of the prequel for everything at this point uh, that is DKU. Um, and and at this point, I'm I'm wondering, do you think that Everwild, uh, the new IP coming out from Rare, will be tied in to the DKU at some point? Do you think that they're going to put their little markers into that game? Uh, or do you think this is going to be cut from whole cloth? I hope so. I, you know, like the thing is, I, I will play and, and talk about Everwild even if there are no connections. But I, I think that it's, it's almost like they can't help themselves or there are people at Rare who can't help themselves. And so given the opportunity, they will find a way to uh, to connect back. I mean, a lot of games are DKU just by virtue of Banjo's pet goldfish Royston appearing in uh, in cameo appearances like that. Like Royston has appeared in Grab by the Ghoulies, Viva Pinata, Connect Sports Season Two. Uh, so you know Royston gets around. So you know it doesn't have to be major, but. You know, my, my theory for Everwild, and I, I know this theory is going to be wrong and incorrect, and I'm not really, like, saying, like, this is what it's going to be, but I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nifty if Everwild was about the ancients from the Sea of Thieves who maybe they left the Sea of Thieves and Everwild picks up their story? or Because we don't know, what, like, where Everwild is set or who these people are, but... I just get this vibe that they're like very similar to what the ancients have been portrayed as from what we've seen left of their civilization in Sea of Thieves. So I would love if that was the connection, if, if this was about the ancients. I know it's not going to be, but I'm just saying right now at this point of time, that's what I would hope for. I honestly, I'm going to back you up on that 100% because I, I could very easily see the Eternals who may still may not necessarily be tied to the Sea of Thieves anymore, but for whatever reason, because of I'll, I'll let me, I'm, I'm brainstorming this as we're talking it out because <laughs> I like the idea so damn much that I want to, I want to make this a thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss out this idea and say that the ancients found a way to become eternal because the, Sea of the Damned is so intrinsically tied to Sea of Thieves that the the the, the veils between the two have been thinned uh, or, or uh, I don't even think that's the right way to say it, but basically they've been breached. The, the yeah. two, yeah, they've been breached, and and they're so tied together that I I want to say that the reason that we don't see the Ancients is because uh, they are the Eternals who've moved on, but because of their heritage in in that land, because of their ties to the sea of the damned that if you're able to come back as an eternal and you're an eternal because of the the sheer nature of the word that they don't necessarily have to be in the sea of thieves to go to the sea of the damned and that they can return from the sea of the damned uh at any point just based on the on the things that they've learned and the artifacts that they've carried with them and that they've decided to take their abilities to different worlds to try and cultivate a better civilization or a better world 
uh, in 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 Eternals or in Everwild, and that they're looking to help the creatures that are there as opposed to just living with the ones that are there and seeing them die because of the the you know the shroud moving over different islands and laying waste to everything. And yeah, if that's not I, canon, I like it. I I think it could, I think I think we should roll with that. I think I'm going to hit up some of the artists uh-huh. and I'm going to start feeding this inception of an idea as as much as I can right now. I'm going to I'm going to use the Discord everything in my power to see if we can get your idea of the ancients being the Eternals to work because I love it that much. Barring that, I would just be satisfied with Captain Bones showing up again, which worked for battle, <laughs> the new Battletoads. So, you know, if, if Captain Bones is their new Royston, that works with me, too. <laughs> that was such a good, a good nod, man. When seeing Captain Bones in the Battletoads game was so perfect. I really and, didn't expect it. And because Captain Bones physically appeared in the game's credits, uh, as a still photograph, and of course he's been referenced in lore, that was enough to say Captain Bones is a physical character, and that is a physical appearance, and that's what made the new Battletoads game part of the DKU. So, I like it, because that, <laughs> that means that Captain Bones and the DKU are tied to our realm, and we are actually all part of the DKU at this point now too. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. No, uh, your, your pirate character is your pirate ancestor. And so we are all descended from pirates and thieves and murderers. And it's great. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Like I fully just retconned my own family history. And I said, yeah, this is where I come from. I come from, uh, just dirty, unwashed outlaws. (laughs) That's so much better of thinking that, oh, my my ancestors were wine cellars from Germany. I, I much prefer this piratey ancestry. It, it's bad. I don't even know anything about like my my great grandparents on like and going back. I, I don't know anything about my family history. I just know what rare tells me. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it, it, anything that might actually be the truth is all just a lie that your parents are telling you anyway. So at this point, Rare might as well be your new parents. That's how I see it. They basically raised me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you there, too, because, yeah, I was uh, if it weren't if it wasn't for Donkey Kong Country back in the 90s on the Super Nintendo, like I I probably would have had a much different childhood. But I spent hours that Christmas Day playing through Donkey Kong Country and it, and it changed. It, it helped form my my little mind. To understanding like what good games were and stuff so and yeah. i i didn't even get into how the gangplank galleon donkey country 2 k rule is clearly uh sailing as the reaper's bones because he's a grade four reaper go back and look at the gangplank galleon in donkey country 2 he's got he's got uh the pendant on the top of the gangplank galleon and he's hit grade four in the reapers oh my god i am i'm am trying to find images of this right now <laughs> And I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, there yeah. is a there is a pennant flag on top of the gangplank galleon. It's a red and red and black striped pennant, and yeah, that is definitely four four red stripes. So yeah, it's all it's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's the case, when can when when are we gonna get a King K rule figurehead to represent the gangplank galleon? 
you know, I when Banjo and Kazooie made their way into Smash Brothers, I I was really hopeful that maybe the door would swing both ways and we could get like a Kremlin uh, set in Sea of Thieves or something. Uh, doubt it's gonna happen, but hope springs internal, right? And if not, I will just keep spanning those surveys and keep asking them for TT and various other uh, trinkets, just uh, just. To satisfy no one else but myself but that the good news is is that i have a couple of those surveys sitting in my inbox that i've been <laughs> waiting for the weekend so i tell you what uh as, as i kind of round off this this podcast now is a great time for me to actually open up my email get rid of all the spam filters about people trying to sell me merchandise for my podcast and take those surveys and see if i can add my voice to the tt cause uh so Kyle, you've been a gem, you've been a darling, you've been a, a, a master of, of all things lore, and you've really dropped some knowledge about the DK Vine website and the DKU and how it ties to Sea Thieves. If folks want to listen to the conversation, uh, which I, I love the play on words there, it's such a good name for a podcast. It gets less um, funny the more you think about it. <laughs> no it doesn't i disagree i think it's hilarious through and through it, it cracks me up every time i have to think about it um if folks want to listen to you uh there um the conversations on pretty much every platform you it's just k-o-n-g ursation you really need to listen to it the episodes are a weekly meal for me because they're so so long that i i genuinely like piece them out so i'll listen to an hour or so each day throughout the week uh, when I get them. If folks want to see all of the articles that you and many other of, of the rare fandom put out, you can always head over to dkvine.com. You can always find great articles like how gaming journalisms catch up on the Donkey Kong journalism, which is probably the first time I think anyone from Nintendo has actually uh, registered the fact that you've been, you've been dropping news forever about donkey kong and they've been so oblivious because they're so kept they're so swept up with mario this and zelda that and metroid prime this and all these other franchises that they've that they've completely missed the fact that you knew and called out that there was going to be a new donkey kong game before anyone else and i was to be I actually fair wanted to i also see donkey kong and sea of thieves so <laughs> it's not hard for me <laughs> You put a Rorschach test in front of me and I'm going to be like, oh, that's Donkey Kong. <laughs> no, Donkey Kong Sr. or Donkey Kong Jr.? Ah, uh, well. All right. Well, let me again just thank you. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, what are some of the best ways that they can get in touch with you or see your content? Uh, check us out on social media. I'm, I'm on Twitter. I run our Twitter account, DKVine, uh, or also facebook although the facebook messenger is is broken so probably not the best way to reach me but uh yeah i'm dk vine you can also uh check me out uh every sunday our sea of thieves stream dk vines stream of thieves we're on twitch uh on our twitch channel and just drop a message in our chat and we'll we always keep an eye on the chat as we play so uh, that's 11 a.m eastern time every sunday morning awesome so and i'm gonna have links to uh, a lot of the stuff that we talked about as well as uh, uh heil's 
media, social media stuff. So if you want to, if you want to check out his streams, definitely go support them. Uh, really funny. I will say, um, my content is usually safe for kids. Uh, the stuff on conversation sometimes can breach, <laughs> breach some really, really taboo topic topics, which I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum if that's your thing. Uh, it always cracks me up though, when I'm listening to it and it always, I always get self-conscious at work because I'm sitting around a bunch of people and they're all, they're all pretty, they're all pretty conservative folks. They're, they're, they're nice. They don't really venture out or say, I mean, if they've got kinks, I don't know about them. I don't know that I want to know about them, but it always makes me snicker. And, and every time it does, I always have to look around and be like, who the heck is paying attention to me laughing about the weird stuff that I'm listening to right now, but I absolutely love it and I wouldn't change it for anything. So, uh, thank you so much for joining me. Um, thank you so much for, for just having all of your knowledge and spending some time with me. And I think that will do it. Thank you. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to talk about angler fish constellations. You know, the more you talk about that, the more I keep thinking that they need to have Mr. Pants as a constellation. Uh, well, he, he was a constellation in Banjo-Tooie, of course, uh, but then um, I, I really want them, like, I want Mr. Pants, his own ancestor to be in the game as, like, um, Commodore Pantaloons was my idea, uh, and, and then, like, have him be working for the Grand Maritime Union or something, or uh, maybe even what be, if- like, part of, like, the British Navy uh I don't know, like somebody, a, a new faction, a new faction of like antagonists in the game. What if it was just something uh, small, like say a, uh, a skeleton found with uh, a pair of pantaloons in, in like a cave? At this point, I would just settle for uh, uh, sails that are just his underpants. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that makes me, that reminds me of that Twitter post that was going out. Was that the, um, did, did you do the one that had the, just the underpants? No, no. Oh my God. I could have swore that when they put out those blank sales and they're like, what would you put? And people are like, oh, I'm going to put a, you know, the obvious phallic symbol on here. Mm-hmm. And I could have swore that I saw someone that actually put, uh, underpants they did. for Mr. They, Pants on there. They, they, they put, uh, yeah, they did something like that. I, I saw that and I approved of it, but it, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> me. Have you ever found yourself in an internet rabbit hole? Call Call Mystery Mystery Time Time Live today! It's a new detective business. With plenty of heart. And a questionable track record. We're only in the office for an hour. Every Wednesday. Come hang out. Solve a mystery. It's a podcast. It's a live show. It's a swell time. Subscribe Subscribe now. now!
The producers of Mystery Time Live asked Ryan not to take any advice or guidance of the host because they have no idea what they are doing. No Mystery Live will be fully solved unless individualized or any outside source or sheer luck. You can find them live on Twitch app and find their podcast later on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and iTunes. Listening may cause hurtful to your death or loss of sanity. We are sorry. This is probably legally binding and you cannot sue us. Hey, I'm Tom. And I'm Stuart. And we're from the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. We talk about all things connected to D&D lore. And we're on the Robots Radio Network. So if you're into Dungeons and Dragons or you're into lore, then come check us out. You can find us on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. Roll more dice. That's the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast.